I cried out to God. I'm like, I need help. Cause like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got into this mess, but if you have a better plan, like I'd love to hear it. Like if you got a better idea, if there's a way you can help me with this, like I, I'm ready, I wanna hear it. And that was the moment where I humbled myself and asked for help and began to search. And I laid down the pride of, I think I know everything about money. I think I got this, I don't need help, you know? Yeah. And that changed everything. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Bob, Linda, welcome to A Better Life. How you doing? Brandon, thanks for having us, brother. We are glad to be here, my friend. Dude, I'm so excited. So before we get started, I want to tell a quick story of uh, how I first met you or learned I about you. I want to hear this. Uh, you probably remember me telling you that the first time I met you was actually at FinCon in person. Mm -hmm. You were the biggest celebrity I had ever met. Oh I'm not kidding. You were... <laughs> it's because uh, several years earlier, I had Googled, this is like, I mean, forever ago, but I had Googled something about health insurance and some blog post came up yeah. from Christian PF. That was yeah. the former name, right? Yeah. Yep. And it was your article about the health. So I signed up for the health insurance. I got it. I'm assuming it was an affiliate thing. You probably yeah. got a few dollars. You're welcome. Thank and, you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, then I just started following you. So you were like one of the very first like bloggers back even before I was at Bigger Pockets that I was following. And then I met you at a conference. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it's Bob. It's Bob. I was That's so blown away. Awesome. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. I want to share real quick. Okay. So I, my experience with you over the last 10 years or something, probably since that point of meeting at FinCon, like I would say in my life of people that I know, entrepreneurs, uh, you and James Clear are the two who come to mind for me who have so consistently just grown little by little by little by little and mm. progressed. And, and so you now see this vast chasm from where you were to where you have come. And it's such a testament to just sticking with the thing little mm. by little and like how you've been accumulated in units and just continuing to build the business. And it's just been really, really fun to watch. So That's cool. Thank I just you. wanted to applaud you for that and just say <laughs> it's been fun to watch yeah. and a fun Thank yeah, you. thing to see. Well, anytime I can be in the same sentence and compared to James Clear, that's a that's a Yeah, weird. right? <laughs> shut the right? podcast down right now. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. This is good. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. <laughs> All right. So let's let's get into this. Before we get into the, the, the lessons, the book, the, the stuff you've learned over the years, yeah. I want to know a little bit about you two. Yeah. I want to start with this. Where'd you meet? Yeah. Do you want to tell him? We met at my house, actually. I was throwing a birthday party for a friend, and Bob had just moved back into town. He was going to our church, and he was wanting some church friends. Mm -hmm. And so somebody invited him to the to the party, and that's where we met. I didn't know anyone. I walked in. I'm a random <laughs> new guy. Like, hey, Yeah, and his name's Bob. Like, it was so <laughs> random that this, by, this guy Bob is coming to the party. People <laughs> still sometimes come up to me and don't believe my name is Bob because they're like, they don't know any Bob. They think it's just a fake name that no one actually has. Yeah, I don't know like any it. other Bobs. That's funny. Really? That was such a popular name at one Well, point. we're Bob and Linda, too, and so we sound like we're like our parents' age. <laughs> People get real confused when they see us. They're like, whoa, yeah. you're younger than we thought. Yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, so that's where we met. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a year or two later, start dating, yeah. and then boom, married. Right. And I know you're both trust fund babies, just loaded and rich. Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, completely the opposite. Okay. Right. Um, well, very not much. the opposite, but well, yes, definitely not trust fund babies. I mean, far from trust fund babies, grew up class. very middle class, mm -hmm. and both like had 
didn't have two nickels to rub together when we first got married. Oh yeah. Doing lots of like filling up the gas tank with, let's see if we can scrape up $3 and 50 cents to <laughs> fill, partially fill up the gas tank and seasons of like fasting meals, fasting. <laughs> Cause it's like the grocery budget ran out for that week. Yep. And um, so yeah, it was really tight at the beginning, Yeah, definitely. but it's been quite a journey, you mm-hmm. know? So what was the catalyst or like, I, I like to say pivot moment. Like what were, mm-hmm. where were you, you had a life where you were broke or struggling, you know, trying yeah. to get by. And I remember yeah. those days too. And then something in your life happened and you changed directions. So what was that pivot yeah. moment if there was one? Yeah, no, for me, it absolutely was, I guess this would be March 5th, 2001. Is that the right date? Yep. Like turning point moment in my life. I am down in Sarasota, Florida. Like 2002. 2002. Sorry, got the year right. Anyway, Sarasota, (laughs) Florida, I'm driving in my convertible. It's, you know, again, March, the weather's perfect. The sun's out. It's Friday. I just gotten paid. Like everything is going great. My friends are coming down the next day to celebrate my 21st birthday. Like, it's like I'm living the Instagrammer's dream before Instagram (laughs) exists. Uh, Like It was just a perfect day. And then in that moment, as I'm driving down this road, my car just dies and stops in the middle of the road. And the reason I was driving, my paycheck, I just picked up. I'm going to the bank to deposit that so I can pay my rent that was due that day. Anyway, everything was fine until my car dies. Now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there in the middle of the road. It died so fast, I couldn't even get over to the side. And so I'm out there like pushing, turning the wheel, trying to push the car over to the side, all this stuff, you know, the awkwardness (laughs) of that. And I finally, as I'm doing this, the thoughts are going through my head, like, wait a minute, Uh, like one thing after another, it's like, oh boy, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're like, all these things start piling up because I realized how am I going to get this car repaired? Because I had $7 in my checking account. My credit card, I only had one credit card. That was my saving grace. I only thought you could have one. (laughs) I had one credit card that was nearly maxed out. And I'm like, how am I going to get my car towed somewhere, fixed, and then get to the bank and then get to pay my rent all in the next four hours? Like, how is this all going to happen? And it was in that moment, as I'm sitting there, that like all this stress and like my financial house of cards that I'd kind of, I don't really need to do anything. It's all going to work out, blah, blah, blah. It's all crashing down on me in that moment. And I remember like grabbing that steering wheel. And that was the moment for me where I cried out to God. I'm like, I need help. Cause like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got into this mess, but if you have a better plan, like I'd love to hear it. Like if you got a better idea, if there's a way you can help me with this, like I, I'm ready, I want to hear it. And that was the moment where I humbled myself and asked for help and began to search. And I laid down the pride of, I think I know everything about money. I think I got this. I don't need any help, you know? Yeah. And that changed everything. Wow. Linda, what about you? I feel like mine was a series of events because I had a lot of things like that, maybe not that dramatic, but a lot of things like that. Like one time I had a bill collector calling me when I was living at my parents' house. I had a full-time job and like two bills. I mean, it was just (laughs) kind of ridiculous. So I had a series of events like that where all I knew was to just go, God, I need help. And I prayed specifically, will you help me marry someone who's good at math? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, along comes the my only requirement. That's armor. it. I just had to be good at math. <laughs> it was true. But I mean, I didn't even know I need someone who can like help me figure out money. Like I, it was just, can you help me marry someone who's good at this? Because I knew it was a weakness of mine. And so as we got married, like that was kind of transformative over years of time. Even though I can't point to one specific moment, I do remember praying that prayer and being like, God, please help me. Yeah. <laughs> because I knew yeah. I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. So what did, what was the first step you guys to get a, you know, get control? How'd you get out of that situation and uh, what happened next? At this point, we weren't dating. This was like a year or two before we had met. But mm-hmm. for me, it it began with education. 
and learning. And so this is pre-podcast, but I would start, you know, watching every video, every book, every magazine I could find about money because I realized that I don't know as much as I think. Mm. And so I need to learn more. And so that was like the first thing. And along with that, like I was just fascinated that the Bible actually talked about money. Like yeah. I, that blew my mind. And so I yeah. started exploring, wait, this book that's 2000 years old, like actually has relevant information for us today. And so that combination of that just started building my understanding and my wisdom and then things slowly began to shift and to change you know yeah wild i know now you've what taught 50 million people i think i saw that number somewhere like finance online well yeah we've had a lot of visitors to the website over the years it's like 54 million yeah, that's which insane. is insane you, you know how this yeah, stuff works almost, it's like yeah. how does this how does it even happen yeah but it's like it did yeah you i know, mean you so. are you are today the definitive i mean i would say like the definitive educator for in the Christian space, especially, and obviously non-Christians will go there too. Yeah. Like you definitively that, I mean, even you were Christian PF, that now it's seed time, correct? Yep. Like you are the definitive guy. And there's Dave Ramsey, obviously, who has a very specific thing he teaches. But yep. if I'm thinking like holistically teaching believers how to handle their money, make yep. more money, save more money. Like you, you are the people. Like it's what we do. Yeah, you know, your, we're yeah. we're just keeping on, keeping yeah. on. I love it. And I want to yeah. dig in later in today's podcast about like the actual side of building that because I know people yeah. are listening, think, thinking like, wow, I want to make money online. I'd love to yeah. get into some yeah. of the tactical sure. what you did there. But first, I want to read a quote from the book. So the book is Simple Money, Rich Life. I actually, I'm gonna tell you, I'm, I was kind of sad reading this book, and I'll tell you why. Because <sighs> me and a buddy who's a New York Times bestselling author in the Christian space. Yeah. He and I have been talking for several years now about writing a book on Christian money. Yeah. And we're like, oh, it'd be such a, like such a great book. And I had yeah. a, kind of outlined a little bit and we've been talking about it. And then I read your book and I was like, just like tear up my whole plans. Cause like, this is the book I would, I would write. So now I'm back to the drawing board on it. If I'm going to go. Well, that's, yeah. well, we appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. You took, you took all my thunder, stole it all. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it's good. It's it's really, really good book. Even for those who are not believers whatsoever, yeah. it's still a fen phenomenal book. And we'll unpack it a little bit today. But I want to read a quote that was early on in the book. It said this. This quote is so good. Most people tend to think about their money problems they're a result of not having enough income. And for some of us, that is the case, but I've found that the vast majority of people in the Western world can feel a lot wealthier without earning any more money. Mm. Yeah. What does that mean? You guys. I would say that I just think there's so many of us, or I know this, like I've, you know, over the years talked to thousands and thousands of people, specifically Christians, but people about money. And there's so many of us that are not paying attention to what's going on with our money. And as a result, we live in an era, it's just so much more difficult than our parents and our grandparents, yeah. where it's like mm -hmm. everything was cash in a checkbook, maybe. And that was it. One checking account. Yeah. And now we have Venmo and we have PayPal Multiple and we have all these cards. different yeah. things going on. And so all of our financial lives are just so much more complicated and it's harder to see what's actually going on. And so we're all living by, well, it feels tight this month or my credit card's bill's big. And so therefore I got to do this. And everything is based off of feel rather than actually knowing the specifics of what's going on with our money. And until you do that, it's really hard to actually start making some forward progress. Anyway, so like that's the big needle, I think the big opportunity that can be moved mm -hmm. that so many people miss. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Hey, before we move on, let's get to this week's show sponsor. Now, one thing we do different on the show is that 100% of the revenue from the show that it generates goes to a charity of the guest choosing. So for this episode, uh, where's the money going? Hope International. Hope International, tell me yeah, about that. And so this is a uh, Christian not-for-profit where they are, what they're doing is um, basically helping people in poverty with microfinance mm -hmm. and with savings projects. And, and what, I, what I love about them is they're using their resources to really kind of encourage entrepreneurship and rather than giving to fish, actually teaching to fish, mm -hmm. that whole idea. And um, and they're just doing some really, really great work. Well, and, and helping the economy where yeah, the, the local live, economies. You know? yeah. yeah. 
That's so they're amazing. doing some great work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. You know, one thing, you know, in the tribe in general, we you know, send all the, the profits from the Better Life tribe to the fight against human trafficking. That's yep. kind of our mission, right? Yep. Uh, but an interesting component of that is that if you look at the causes of human trafficking, it's not typically like the, you know, Liam Neeson, like somebody taking his daughter from vacation. Right. Like that's not really human trafficking. Yeah. It happens, but it's super rare. Yeah. It's usually people in just really poverty-stricken areas yep. who have no other options. So they sell their kids mm-hmm. or their wife into slavery because they are desperate. So I love organizations like that because they're saying, we're going to address the root problem Mm -hmm. and we're going to fix the poverty problem or the water. uh, uh, You know, like when people don't have water, they're forced to travel 10 miles a day. And so the women can't go to school. They can't work. They just have to go bring water all day. That's their entire life. So when you go to well, it helps solve the human trafficking issue as well. So yeah, yeah, I love that. There's a lot of root causes that we can attack and uh, that's one of them. So very cool. That's awesome. All right, so here are three truths that I've learned about business. Number one, most companies are wildly inefficient. Number two, that inefficiency is caused by not so great leadership. Number three, this is the hard part, your company can only keep growing if you, the leader, keep growing into a higher version of yourself. And that is why if you're a CEO or high-level leader, I strongly recommend you connect with my friend, Peter Awood of Whitestone Coaching. Peter built multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a good friend of mine. He was guest number 18 on this very show. And business-wise, he can help you become more efficient, more profitable, all while spending more time in your own unique zone of genius. And life-wise, he can also help you enjoy more stability, more freedom, get your priorities straight when it comes to health and connecting with your kids and your spouse and your friends. Look, personalized coaching is the best shortcut to success that I found, period, in any and all areas of my life. So here's how to connect with Peter and Whitestone Coaching. Text the word Better Life, all one word, to 55444. Again, you can connect with Peter and start becoming a legendary leader today by texting Better Life, one word, to 55444. All right, you guys, you ready for this? Let's talk about the battle the battle of wealth or the battle of um, finance, the battle of trying to just survive in this world. And in the book, you make an interesting point. We're going to get a little Christian-y here, but you make the point that the battle's not ours, yeah. but you have to still show up. Can you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's based out of Second Chronicles 20. And there's this really amazing story about this king, King Jehoshaphat. And he, I'll, I'll go over the story as quickly as I can, just to, to make the point strong. But it's an amazing story. If you haven't read it, you definitely should. But he is sitting chilling one day and he somebody comes up to him and gives him the news that three separate armies are coming against them to basically wipe them off the face of the earth. And what he does is calls everyone together that lives there in Judah and Jerusalem and says, let's all pray and fast. So they all get together, they pray and fast. And one man stands up and says, this is the word of the Lord. And it's beautiful when you read it, which I don't have it in front of me, but it says, go ahead, march out and meet these armies. You will find them. And it tells them exactly where to find these people. And it says, you won't have to fight this battle. Just go and stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, and it specifically says the battle is not yours, right? Yeah, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So they do it. And I think that this is such a key here is that they actually decide they're going to do it. They could have done a whole lot of other things. Mm. They could have made up their own ideas of what would be best, or they could have fled or, you know, anything. And they decide to go do this thing. So they walk out to the battle line. They go exactly where... God told them to go, and they see all three armies, but every single person is dead. And they just get to stand there and look and see this miracle. Mm. 
It took and them three days to carry back the spoils of war, <laughs> you know? So like the yeah. rewards were so great by doing this. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I think what's so powerful to me about this is like what we always say is the battle is his, but you have to show up. Yeah. Right. And so God is the one who did all the heavy lifting in this mm -hmm. situation, but they had to march down to the battle line, afraid, nervous, yeah. Yeah. not knowing what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that combination of them doing their part, God doing his part is what caused you know, this supernatural miracle to happen mm -hmm. and the story that we're telling thousands of years later, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So in relation to Christians today specifically, I'll ask the question, what do they get wrong? I mean, what do, what do Christians, you know, can get confused about with money, with wealth, mm -hmm. with uh, yeah. freedom, uh, and what do they get right? Yeah, I think there's a lot that is disappointing to me because I think there's there's two common extremes where it's one is, it's like this, it's like finding that balance point because Jesus has so many warnings about wealth. It's really clear that that's there. But at the same time, you know, it's plenty of fabulously wealthy people in the Bible who are very righteous men, you know, or men or women of God. And there's something here about finding this balance point of doing this right that is not easy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there's so many warnings about it. But what we've concluded is really, and we can maybe get into this more, but John Wesley had a quote that really affected me. And he said, what I do, John Wesley, old preacher, writer from 100, 200 years ago, he was actually one of the wealthiest or highest earning people in all of England at the time mm. as a preacher and a writer, which is just fascinating to think about. But he sought out earning as much money as he could. And so he said, I make all that I can by writing and speaking. I earn as much as I possibly can. And then I save as much as I can. And he meant like reducing my expenditures, not being super lavish with everything I do. And he said, I do both of those things so that I can give as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And so he saw it as his God-given gift and his ability to speak and to preach and to, and to do all this stuff is a way to impact the world. But then the byproduct of that is more money coming back to him. And then he can then again, use that to impact the world again on another level. And I just love that. And so it's deeply you know, affected how we think about money and how we do this thing. because. Because I think when you have this fear mindset of, well, I'm just not going to earn a lot of money because I don't want to be like the, you know, mm -hmm. the rich man trying to, whatever, store at Barnes or the camel going through the eye of the needle. Like, <laughs> I think that's missing the point. Like right. God's given you gifts and talents. He's given you something. You need to use it and run with it. And to not do that seems far more scary to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like again, Bible verse going back to Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents, yep. like this idea, it's like, You've been entrusted with something. You need to do something with that. You yeah. can't bury that talent, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, we were talking about before this a little bit, before we started recording, this idea that a lot of Christians I see, they look at, you know, money is the root of all evil, you know, a misinterpretation mm -hmm. of that yeah. passage where it's yeah. the love of money, right? In yeah. other words, right. greed is the yeah. root of all kinds of evil, I think is what it, it's getting at. But they use that as a way to say, hey, I don't want to focus on money. I don't want to think about money. I don't want to mm -hmm. budget, plan. I don't want to save. I don't want to invest. I don't want to do anything because money's bad and therefore yeah. I'm out of it. Where, like, why is that maybe missing the mark? Yeah. Well, I mean, similar to what you're doing with Better Life, like we're on the same page here where you understand this. Like, how can we make as much as we can to impact the world? Yeah. Like that to me feels like one of the smartest things to do. That's the thing I'm excited to do. And that's what we're trying to help more and more people do. So similar to what you're doing, because that is the big opportunity that we have. Because if we just take what we have been, whatever the skills, the gifts that we have, do nothing with them and not go anywhere with that, like we're missing the mark in terms of living a mediocre life, not up to our full potential. And we're just not affecting people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the opportunity is there. But I mean, you also see people just with the, they'll have shame or guilt yeah, yeah. or something 
some sort of baggage around this issue. I mean, I think most people have this, yeah. <laughs> where they're just like, well, if if I do this, then I'll seem greedy, or if I do yeah. this, then then I will seem like I don't have any money. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to accept charity because you know it makes me look like I can't handle my life or whatever. And so there's all these feelings mixed in, and I think that's why a lot of people make decisions that are against their benefit or you know, in our case, as Christians, against the Word of God. Yeah. And other people are missing out. And I think that's why we're so passionate about talking about this is because it doesn't just affect our own lives. Yeah. It affects so many other people around us. And I mean, I think that's just really important. And it's a great reason to just keep digging into that. Like, why do I feel this way about it? Why every time we have this conversation, do I respond this way? And if we can do that, I think we can see a change in our lives, but then in our kids' lives and their relationship with money, and then also the world just around us and around our kids even too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when the Bible talks, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good advice about how to build wealth, especially if you're looking like yeah. Proverbs and like, there's a ton of stuff like, here's what you do to build wealth. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of stuff like, hey, wealth is super dangerous. Be careful, whatever. Yeah. I think it's good to look at that and say, this isn't saying don't do it. Yeah. It's saying do it and here's how to not lose your soul. Yeah. You know, so a phrase we say all the time in the Better Life Tribe is, you know, you can build wealth without losing your soul. Yep. So the question I'll throw at you guys is how do you do that? Like how does somebody build wealth in life mm -hmm. without losing their soul? And what does that even mean to you? Yeah. Well, I want to start like C.S. Lewis. I went and researched what he said about money because I was really fascinated. Like what, you know, I, I've respected him, looked up to him so much. Like this guy is one of the He's you know, brilliant. most brilliant Christians that been around and I, I'll actually read what he said because I thought this was really powerful. And I have found this to be his summation of what giving and what money kind of rolling this all up into one thing. Like, I'm like, this is really, really fascinating. And he said this, he said, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, et cetera, is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we probably are giving way too little. Mm. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Mm. And so essentially what he's saying here is you should give until it hurts. Yeah. And, and we have found that to be real, real helpful because we've had seasons where income has gone up a whole lot and we just got sloppy. We got sloppy with how we were managing it. We got sloppy with, I would say, maybe selfishness and just all self-focused. How can I get more of this and that and the other thing? Mm -hmm. And as we shifted that to giving till it hurts a little bit, God has taken care of us. Like everything has still been there, but it's like we began focusing more on how can we lean into the tension, give until it hurts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it actually didn't work against us. That's the thing that's so... Yeah miraculous and crazy about it. And that's just the way of God's kingdom and the way that he works. You start by giving, it's the opposite of what everyone thinks, you know? Yeah. You do that and then everything else is taken care of. Yeah. And I mean, of course it comes up where you're like, oh man, I, you, you know, you see somebody else on Instagram or wherever, like, why are they doing that? Why can they do that? How is that working out for them? And then Bob will remind me, well, they're not giving the way we're giving. And I'm like, oh mm. yeah. And then all of a sudden it snaps me out of it. I don't care anymore. I love that. 
And and so, yeah, that's been super helpful for me is because I'm like, I don't want what they have. Yeah. I want to do what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're running a different race. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been really, really helpful mm-hmm. too. Like just stepping out of the race that everyone else is running. Cause it's like, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is we set aside, we have a, what we call a seed account. And so every month money comes in and we set aside a percentage of our income and that goes into seed account. Once it's in there, that is for giving only. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah and and it that. works so well. Yep. And so, you know, we're here. I mean, this is just kind of a backstory to what's going on. Like we're here in Maui with you and we were just gifted by someone a two and a half week stay to be here, Mm -hmm. which is a huge blessing. But the fact of the matter is in our travel budget account, we didn't have enough to do that. We would have to save a little bit, but in our giving account, that money's sitting there. So we could send someone on this trip, (laughs) but we actually couldn't afford it at this moment. We just need to save for a little bit to do it. And and anyway, and there's something about that, and, and I'm not at all saying this like we have all this figured out, but I'm just saying that as we've kind of worked through this, that tension of leaning more into the giving side, all the other stuff works out mm-hmm. and the blessings still come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I had a very wealthy person one time, and the guy was worth half a billion dollars, and he was talking about giving, mm-hmm. and he made an interesting point that kind of changed my view, and then I've since shifted it a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Yeah. He said this. He said, look, I could give money along the way mm-hmm. and I could give a lot of money to charity, but charities are terrible at using money yeah. and I'm really good at compounding Growing. money. Yeah. And as yeah. math nerds, we know yeah. that like, if you look at a yeah. million dollars today, compounded over 60 yeah. years, that's a trillion dollars, whatever, you know, it's like, how do you balance that between like, I can just keep compounding my money and give away a yeah. billion dollars at the end, or I can yeah. give along the way and then only give 10 million total over my lifetime. Yeah. No, I mean, that, this is something I've wrestled with a lot because I have I had those exact same thoughts. Yep. And mathematically, like, I think the answer is, well, you just do what Warren Buffett did. Save it all up to the end and then you're going to give it away when you die. Yeah. Mathematically, that makes Yeah. Like, more that sense. just makes mm-hmm. the most sense. Yep. But for me, the, the interesting thing is, you know, getting a little bit of the story that we've shared, I felt like the Lord led us uh, about 10 or 11 years ago mm-hmm. to begin giving our age as our income. Oh, yeah. as a percentage. So, a percentage. So, at the time, I was 31 years old, and we were giving about 10% to our church or total giving at that point. And I had this moment where I just really sensed that this was where God was leading us. I'm like, this is crazy. This is, I don't hmm. know about this. But, <laughs> but anyway, but we began doing it. And like the craziest thing about this, we began doing that. We increased our giving from 10% to 31%. And within nine months, our mortgage was paid off. Mm. So, we drastically increased our giving. You know, and again, I, this isn't an argument for paying off your mortgage early. Plenty of yeah, people yeah. don't agree. That like, it's completely fine. I would love to talk about that in a little bit. We, <laughs> but, but my point is that was a goal that we had, we wanted mm-hmm. to do, and the fastest way for us to get there was by tripling our giving, mm. which makes no sense. Yeah. And so, anyway, the point in all of this is that for us, you know, and I think this is a different thing for each person. You know, so for some people, it might be saving much more to the end and growing it and then yep. giving it. But for us, there was an act of faith component here to give more during, and it's like, and we're still saving. And like, my plan is to have, you know, a big bag at the end and to be able to drop a lot of money to some key places, but we're also doing that as we go. And that has felt best for us. That's felt like the right balance Mm -hmm. of us not secretly, because this is a temptation, I think, is that secretly, you know, I'm stashing up all this money that can give it all away later, but I'm a lot more comfortable and secure because that's sitting there. I was just thinking that. You know what I mean? And once that's not there because I've given it away, it's like now I have to trust 
in well, God as and my And the provider temptation is there to just be like, yeah, well, there's there's enough there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to take what I need as I need it. I'm going to, I really want to go on that trip to Fiji. So I'm just going to take a little yeah. bit of that money. Like there's a lot, there's got to be a lot of temptation there. And for us, there's it, it's just not there because the money's not there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we've committed to only spending cash on things. So it's like, if the money's not there, we're not it's doing, not there, you know. Yeah. So for us, yeah, that's worked a lot better, I think. Yeah, there was a article written in the New York Times. I can't remember even who wrote it. I was just trying to look for it real quick and couldn't find it. But uh, I remember reading a few years ago, uh, this guy did a study on giving. And the basic results of the study was that people, it was like for every $100 people gave, $100 more that they gave, they earned an extra like $300 a year. <laughs> so for every That's $100, awesome. yeah. And, and so it, it really fits yeah. with the biblical yeah. idea of like yeah. give to receive. Now, if there's some preachers that have obviously taken that. And, yep. you know, if you sow your seed of faith today, you're going to make five right. to X. That's silly. Like you're not investing in God and making yeah. a return. But there is a principle there yeah. that guides human behavior. That's not a Christian thing at all. Yeah. yeah. And it says that, and I, I don't know what it is. And maybe you have a thought, like yeah. when you give, it changes something in your brain and it helps you maybe risk more, like in a good way. Like maybe you yeah. make more bets with things. Maybe you have to try harder. Maybe you're, you're more ambitious. I don't know. Like, but something does make you earn more when you give more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think some people call it karma, but yeah, like yeah, there yeah. is a a biblical truth that yep. is the it, it's a law of mm-hmm. sowing and reaping. Yes, I mean if you sow something, you're going to reap it. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's where our name seed time comes from. It's Genesis eight twenty two. God told before things it will always remain, and one of those is seed time and harvest. This idea of planting a seed and then there's mm-hmm. a harvest that comes. Like it's it's always going to be around. It's always going to be there. Yeah, and so and you so, can yeah. use it to your benefit. And I don't think that people realize that, especially outside of the Christian world, it's like, it it just is what it is. There's a law of gravity that we have that yep. we are going to stick to the earth, right? There is a law of seed time and harvest. If we plant things, we're going to see a return yeah. on it. And, and at the same time, like to what you're talking about, like, I don't, just like my kids out there, if they came to try to manipulate me through giving, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go give dad this because then he's, I'm going to get yeah, this yeah, out of yeah. it. I'm like, don't you think God can kind of see through that? Like, I don't yeah. I, I just don't think that's going to work out that well, you know? And so there well, is a it's heart not really posture. Giving. Yeah. It, yeah, you're planting seeds of manipulation. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's oh, why people yeah. don't, like, that's that disconnect of like, well, if you if you give to our ministry today, then yeah, yeah. you're going to get, it's like, well, that's not, yeah. that's not giving. That's, that's like giving. actually you're just seeds. manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're gambling. You, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, funny. yeah, I mean, uh, we have to look at that for what it is. It yeah. doesn't mean that the law of sowing and reaping doesn't exist. Yeah. I'd also say every wealthy person I know has will say the same thing. And even like people who aren't wealthy, but people who are wealthy and give a lot of money away, mm-hmm. it's the happiest thing they do. It make, yep. brings them the most joy in life. So Randy Alcorn, the author, he's yep. a Christian author, right? He has a book, yep. The Treasure Principle. Yep. And that was a point that I took out of that more than anything else was, if you wait to the end of your life to give, you miss out on the joy along the way. Yep. So yes, Good. from a mathematical standpoint, you give more. Maybe, but then if you combine the other two principles of the joy along the way and the fact that you're going to earn more because you're giving and you'll earn likely earn over your life more than you gave away, which then will still yeah. compound more, Yeah. then you get all the benefits along the way. So that's where I've kind of got bounced back and forth Absolutely. and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. yeah, well, and one of the things, I mean, and there was a chart in this book and I don't know if you saw it, but we, so we take a, a alternative approach to what we call our net worth. We call it our assets under management. Long story, we don't get into if you want, but we began measuring as we increased our giving from 10% to 31% to 32%, like each year is increasing that up and we're 42 now. You would think that as we increase our giving, our net worth or AUM would just go down because we're giving such a high percentage of our money away. But what's been so fascinating to watch is that our net worth or AUM has gone in lockstep with that. 
So as we've increased the total amount given, yeah. our assets under management net worth has just continued to increase. And it's like, mm -hmm. that makes no mathematical sense yeah. Yeah. at all. Yep. It's the complete opposite. And so again, it's just more proof to this idea of, I don't think you know, there's a quote that Anne Frank or somebody said, like, you've never seen anyone become poor from giving. And it's like, I just, yeah. there's something there yeah. about just, well, yeah. And I mean, even more to your point, the best way to snap yourself out of misery, I think, is to focus on someone else. Mm, 100%. Don't you think? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've done this over and over again where I'm like having the worst day and there will be a thought of, why don't you go do this for that person? And it snaps me out of it so quickly. I mean, it's fascinating yeah. how it happens, but if there's no money to give, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to snap yourself out of that If there's no, or if there's nothing that you can give. You know what I mean? Like you have to be creative in thinking of what you can give and you know all that stuff. But anyway, obviously we can give things for free. I don't know. But the idea is still there of if you can just stop focusing on yourself so much, you will be much happier in life. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There's that quote. I think it's C.S. Lewis, wasn't it? Who said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. yeah. I've heard it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's great. like, instead of just thinking, oh, I'm a terrible person, that's not humility. It's just... Yeah. Just not focus on yourself at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the way you do that, because you have to focus on something, right? So we right. either focus on wealth, making money, like, you know, drugs, sex, whatever, yeah. or we focus on serving people. Yeah. And there's one thing above almost anything else that's going to make you more happy, and that's mm -hmm. when you're serving other people. Yeah. So beautiful. All right. Yeah. What about those who have, like, are really struggling with money? I mean, here we are talking about giving and like large percentage, and they're like, yeah, that's great, guys. I make $2,000 a month and my rent is $1,900. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even possibly, I can't even afford to feed my family right now. What do you say to those people? Yeah. Like, how can people survive and yeah. give? Well, there's no simple solution. I mean, I Dang think it. We, well, <laughs> we, we all know this. Like, come we've, on, four step there, easy process, right? 10 minutes, you're like, rich. Come on. You know, because like you're talking about my turning point moment, it wasn't the next day everything yeah. solved. Yeah. It's like, and I, I don't think there are many people who could honestly say that that's the case, but it begins brick by brick, one thing mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah. But one of the first things that I'm always encouraging people, like we were talking about before, is find a way to begin paying attention. Like, this is mm, so powerful, yeah. so important because. Most cases, when I'm talking to somebody in those situations, they are not fully paying attention to what's going on. And so they're seeing the fruit of what's happening in their financial life, but they're not actually seeing what's going on. They're not measuring what's happening. And as a result, they're uh, feeling in this you know super tight uh, spot. And again, paying attention isn't going to solve the problem overnight, but it's gonna help a whole yeah. lot. And yeah. we have talked to so many students who will do a simple exercise of like what we have students do is go to personal capital or empower empower yeah. personal, personal dashboard, dashboard or whatever they renamed it to now. Oh, really? <laughs> and yeah, they renamed it uh, or it got bought out. But we have them go over there, you know, and, you know, formerly it would have been Mint, like whatever. Yep. Use a tool that where you can plug everything in, see what's going on month to month. How yeah. much are you actually spend it on groceries? Mm -hmm. How much are you actually spend it on um, Uber or whatever the thing is? Because yep. people are always wrong. Whenever you're guessing, you're always wrong. Yep. <laughs> and like, I can't tell you, it's almost like clockwork branding. <laughs> like where we have people do this exercise and they'll come back and say, oh man, I was spending $500 more on groceries than I thought. Or yep. like we had a couple well, who- And every single time they're like, there is no wiggle room. That's what they tell us. Yeah. They're you like, don't there's understand. nothing yeah. there. You don't understand. Yep. And we're like, okay, that okay, we hear right. you, but let's try that. Just try, if, will yep. you just try it? And we had one couple, we were coaching them and they said, we spend $200 a month on eating out. And we said, okay, have you done this exercise? They come back, they do this exercise. Well, hang on. We were coaching them because they were getting ready to move out of their house because they couldn't afford their house payment. Mm. Also, the woman, the wife, was like eight months pregnant. 
And they were like, should we move? We don't want to move. We're yeah. eight months pregnant. This is not a great time. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we got to do something. So they say, I, I asked, how much are you spending to eat it out? They say $200 a month. Like, it's $200 a month. Okay. They come back. They were spending $800 a month. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, just by seeing what was yep. going on, they found $600. Yep. You know, and at this point, it's like, it's not our job to tell you where to spend your money. It is our job to say, do you see it? Yeah. Now, what do you want to do? What's your, what, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to keep spending $800 yep. a month on eating out? Because if you okay. do, then that's, then, then you should probably move. Yeah. Now, now you get, now it's decision time. Oh. Can I add to this? Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly how I changed my financial life. Really? I went to personal capital oh, yeah. really? and I plugged everything in and I was like, oh, I'm broke. Yeah. I'm way more broke than I realized. Yep. And when I saw it, I could take action. But yeah. before yeah. that, it was yeah. like, I knew I was broke, but not yeah. by how much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then yeah. when you start, you can kind of gamify it. You're like, well, now I'm less broke yep. yeah. each month. And that is the exact way. But it's that, not ambiguous. It's no yeah. longer squishy. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see it. You can mm-hmm. measure. You can see your forward progress. And then when you make right. progress, you're like, well, that was fun. Well, yeah. it also <laughs> means like, well, now I know I'm fine. Yeah. Even though like I still stress about money and stuff, it's like, eh, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah so exactly like no. that step, I can vouch for that step because that's exactly how I changed yep. my entire financial life. Yeah. Heather and I, a lot of people don't know the story, but Heather, my wife and I, there was a moment we were probably 23 years old. We just gotten into real estate. And uh, I think I was flipping some houses. She was working at Starbucks maybe. And we were just struggling and like credit card, our credit card debt was going higher and higher every single month. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how, yeah. I don't, I'm making, like we're making some money here when yeah. she's working, we're living pretty cheap. Again, I'm only spending $200 a month eating out or whatever yeah. we were saying. Yeah. And then I read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Mm-hmm. And it, he talked about same, same kind of ideas, like tr- you know, give everything a dollar or whatever, every expense. Everything in yeah, name. Yeah. Yep. So I did that. I printed out my financial statement, whatever, looked at it. And I was spending $1,000 a month more than I was making. Like we were just in the hole a thousand every single month. Wow. So now it's like- No wonder you're going duh. backwards. Yeah, no wonder <laughs> we're going backwards, right? And just by doing, so we did that. And then we, just to get real severe, we went on the envelope budget idea, yeah. like, right? We actually literally cashed our paycheck or her paycheck and any money I made, yeah. cashed it, put them in envelopes every month and then tracked diligently. Like now we cannot yeah. spend $400 eating out because there's only a hundred in the account, yeah. like in the envelope, yeah. right? And nothing in our life changed other than we started making an extra thousand a month, not losing a thousand. Yep. In other words, it shifted two thousand yeah. dollars a month simply by observing wow. what yeah. was happening. Yeah. Like I didn't feel like I was eating out less. I didn't feel like I was shopping less. I, like I didn't sacrifice anything but the annoyance of having a em- big, you know, pack of envelopes around everywhere yeah. we went. Mm-hmm. And we did that for four months, five months, six months, maybe until yeah. we felt like we had a better handle because we had to change this, like our yep. heart, before we could, you know. So we had to use Absolutely. the physical aspect to change our heart of spending, mm-hmm. and just to get in that. Yeah, like you guys talk about in the, in the book, Pearson's Law, when performance is measured, performance improves. Yep. When performance is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. Yeah. Uh, a huge part of what we do in the Better Life Tribe, actually, we have like this whole, you know, REIOS, but one piece of that, we call that like uh, you hack your life. And the idea is you have habits that you, in your life that control your life. Mm-hmm. There's actions. So like, I'm going to do this this week. Mm-hmm. There's constraints, things I won't do. And then there's the last one is KPIs. So H-A-C-K, yeah. KPIs. So in other words, like a KPI, key performance indicator. What are the numbers saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you track your numbers, like, oh, I mm-hmm. went to the gym five times. Oh, did you really? Like, did you track it? Show me you know, Show me you went there. Oh, I only went three times. So when you have yeah. your habits and actions and constraints d- defined, and then you track it somehow with these KPIs, yep. it magically improves. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even need to make a different choice. You just track it and it improves. Yeah. It's yeah. mind-blowing. It's like magic. No, It is. Because yeah. it, it doesn't make any well, sense. Yeah, you you think, well, track, it's not going to yeah. do anything. Yep. And I think that's the... The key on so many life-changing mm-hmm. habits is just doing the tiny things that you think isn't going to make a difference, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, so true. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought this up because there's 
tons of people listening who are like, well, I don't know. I just don't think that's really going to work. And it's like, we're all sitting here yes. from all different yeah, angles all saying room, yeah. that, yes, it, this, this absolutely works. works. I mean, Jesse um, Meacham from uh, YNAB, like yeah. we, we had a quote from him. Like one of the things he said is he did this, began tracking, and I think he said it was 50%. He spent 50% less one month to the next by writing down everything mm-hmm. that he spent. Like, yep. And he said, specifically said, I did not try to spend less money. Yeah, yeah same. I yep. didn't try to spend less. <laughs> I literally just wrote it down yeah. and then it went down. So. The point is, anyone listening, if you're doubting this, like, just try it. Yeah. Just try it. Yeah. The same thing works for fitness, or like food, by the way. Food, If you yeah. write yeah. down your meals, oh, yeah. you will eat fewer calories. Like, yeah. it's just, the, it's a scientific fact. You write down what you eat, you will eat less. Yeah. yeah. You write down what you spend, you will spend less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, what you uh, measure improves. Yeah. And it's not, and again, it's, I understand not wanting to write stuff down or not wanting to yeah. go get a new app or whatever. But at the end of the day, the, the amount of time that you're going to invest on that is so minuscule to what you're going to gain from mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. especially if you're in a tight spot. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just worth it. Yeah. yeah. So true. I have a friend, a woman who was complaining about their finances and they're struggling really, really bad. And she said, my, like I said, well, you know, are you give, basically the same thing? Are you tracking all your money? You need yeah, to print yeah. it out, whatever. And she said, well, my husband uh, has his own separate account and mm-hmm. mo- our income goes there and he doesn't want me to look at that. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with a spouse who's a spender and maybe one where you're not on the same page financially? Somebody listening to the show right now going, I believe it. I buy in. I'm all in on this. Yeah. But yeah. my spouse, they're not on board. How do you get them on board with the same mission? Well, I think, first off, there's two different answers here. I think for Christians, I think it's possibly a different answer than for not. Because as Christians, we believe to become one flesh mm-hmm. when we get married. And so, therefore, like we're not the people who are going to say, you have to have everything in one account. But if you are doing something where you are playing defense by, you know, I've been burned in the past and therefore I'm not going to share my financial world yep. with someone else. Like, I just feel like that's a sticky place to be. So for me, that's something that has been really, really helpful and beneficial. Now, I don't think anybody's going to listen to this and be like, okay, well, great. I'm going to go do it. You know, <laughs> like, but the point is, is that I think that's a better way to live if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, outside of that, I think you have a lot to share here. Yeah. I mean, of how I helped get you kind of on the board because Linda wasn't on board with, my idea for our finances and where well, I wanted to go, <laughs> you know. But my the where I started was I don't ever want to think about this again. So if you can just deal with it and mm. just let me know what's going on, that's great. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of where I started, but it took a long time and it was a process for me to get on the same page with him. And one of the things that would happen was he would say, I want to buy this thing that is X amount of dollars. And I'd be like, where did you just get that thousand dollars? Because I want some of that ma- magic yeah, yeah, yeah. money. <laughs> I call it magic money to this day, where I'm like, that money came from somewhere, and I don't know where it came from. And not that he's hiding anything. I, you know, that that to me is one thing. Yep. I don't want him to hide anything from me. So yeah. directly asking that question is like, why are we hiding things? And that feels like a marital conversation that is a little bit far beyond us. But yeah. that would be the one thing that I would say, why do we want to hide things from each other? Then if you can move past that and it's like, well, I don't want to hide it. I just want to separate it. Okay. All right. Now we can have another conversation, which is let's figure out what's going on and then figure out, well, what would make you happy? Like, I think getting on the same page is such a key thing. And the way you can do that is, all right, let's talk about our long-term goals. Yeah. Let's talk about our short-term goals. Like, do you want to retire by a certain age? Because if you want that to happen, then we need to create a plan to make that happen. And so often I would say, well, Bob, I want this. And he would go, okay, come on, come over here and look at me and let's decide where we're going to get the money to do that from. 
And it was like, all of a sudden I had to start making decisions. You know, like that was the thing is I, I'm the spender and I'm a really good spender. <laughs> I have references. <laughs> so I, I'm a great spender, but when it comes down to it, do I want to be, would I rather be in massive debt and stressed out all the time? The answer to that for me is no, I don't want to be stressed out all the time. So if that's the answer, then I have to get on board with not spending more than we are making. Yeah. Okay. So that, there's the first thing. How do we do that? But the other thing is, is like the spender is not wrong. Like, I think that was something for me that yeah. I, it took me a long time to realize that just because I was a spender and he was a saver didn't actually make me wrong. And it yeah. didn't make him right. Just because he was better at math than me didn't make me wrong and him right, you know? Yeah, because a lot of numbers nerds just think, well, the saver, that's the one who's mathematically doing it right. And therefore the spender, they're just bringing everything down. <laughs> they're messing everything up. Right? Yeah. And yeah. that's just like, yeah. And I have come to agree like that that's just not the way it is. We're just created differently. And she brings things to the table that I am lacking in. Mm -hmm. And I need that from her for us yeah. to be balanced and live a better life, yeah. live a best life, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, if you are the saver, you need to look at it this like, I'm not right all the time. Yeah. Like, can can yeah. you get to that point of like, I'm not right all the time? I mean, that's a hard thing for anybody to do. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you can't, yeah, the fastest way to financial freedom is to become homeless, right? Like, <laughs> like it's, if you really want to, like, if you want to, yeah, stop spending all your money, but stop making all money and just go yeah. live under a bridge and you are financially free. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have a better life. So the answer right. to a better life is not less money. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not necessarily more money, but there's, right. a, there's a balance somewhere. Yeah, and I, I think just like, pushing through and figuring out, can we see eye to eye to this? Mm. Like one of the things that we had to work through in the very beginning of our marriage, and I use this because it's really simple, but it's funny, you know, when we got married, okay, you can look at Bob. Okay. <laughs> no hair. No Cheap hair. He has had Cheap this, haircuts. he has looked like this the entire time I've known him. Okay. Yeah, same. I have looked, you know, some version of this. I need my haircut. I need makeup. I need stuff to wash off my makeup. Yeah. I need to take care of my skin. I need to, you know, fill in the blank. So when we get married, Bob's like, sets up the budget. There's nothing in there <laughs> for me to purchase makeup <laughs> or, yeah. you know, spend money on a haircut. And he's like, well, why do you need that for? Can't you just cut it yourself? Like, this is a real question <laughs> that, that he had. <laughs> and I just was like... I don't know if I said that, but... You know, so... But it was not because he was being disrespectful. It was yeah. literally because he doesn't have any of those needs and never has yeah. and doesn't like has no question on that. So this was me going, that's not going to work. Okay, so here's another thing. When your spender comes to you, Mr. or Mrs. Saver, and says, that's not going to work, you have to listen. Yeah. Because what he could have done is said, well, this is just all we have in the budget. And I would have been like, sorry, man, I'm just going to go spend on a credit card because we're not on the same page. Yep. Like he had to come just as far to meet me in the middle as I had to go. Yeah. And I think that's something that savers don't see. They so think we, I'm doing it right. And the spender is like, I can't live like that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to me, it's like you guys have to decide, okay, we're both going to meet in the middle here. We both have to give and we have, both have to realize that the other person is right sometimes mm -hmm. and then that i am wrong sometimes and to me that like that's what has made it work and made the budget work right is like i'm not just going to him all the time asking for money we have decided together what we're going to spend and we might need to have some conversations in that but it's never me going like i need more money like he's not the keeper of the money yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> right like i i'm invested in this just as much as he is yeah. i love that yeah 
Yeah. Adding one more piece to that, what you were just talking about, like what that practically looked like for me at that point was because we were trying to pay off all of our debt and like mm -hmm. all of our credit cards and student loans and everything we'd accumulated. And so what that meant for me in order to add hair care and all the stuff to the budget is we're making smaller debt payments each month mm -hmm. and which felt really, you know, why Dave Ramsey yelling in my ear, like it <laughs> felt really like this, this is really hard. Like, but we intentionally did that. We intentionally slowed down our debt paying off process because I wanted to have a peaceful marriage yeah. and I wanted us to be on the same page. And it was more important for us to be on the same page than for us to hit our credit card payoff three months or faster. Because you know? you know why? We actually hit those credit card payoffs. Like we wouldn't have done it the other way because yeah. I would have just gone crazy. And yep. I would have said, you're not giving me money for a haircut. Well, I'm going to buy anything else that I want yep. and just be like, well, I just needed it. I think there's so much that lies in that idea of we have to be communicating to each other of what is going on, like what we're feeling like we need and feeling like is not fair or whatever, instead of just doing whatever we want. And I think that's the biggest problem that most couples make is they both have different ideas and they both think that they're right and they yep. refuse to think that the other one could possibly be right. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. So a lot of this is it's a communication issue. Maybe it's a marriage therapy kind of an issue. Right. But you know, we you know we're recording this just a few weeks after we just did the big uh end of year uh better life goal setting thing. And there was 500 people, 450 people whatever there. And I talked to a lot of people like just the whole time. And the number one, more than anything else that I heard of like, hey, the tribe has been great, or I did this. It wasn't like, hey, I bought a bunch of real estate. I heard some of that. Or it wasn't like, hey, I lost some weight, though I did hear a lot of that. The number one thing I heard was my marriage improved a hundredfold wow. this year That's awesome. because of the goal setting, because I did a couple's goal setting retreat last January. Yep. Because of the couple goal setting retreat, my marriage improved. I heard it over and over and wow. over and over and over. Because there's something magical is when you sit with your spouse and you say, we're going to come up with a vision yep. for our life together mm -hmm. and we're going to work on our goals together, even if they're separate goals. Like my wife and I have completely separate goals, but right. we are aware of them and we help each other to achieve yep. them. Right. It magically, again, just improves your marriage. And so yep. the number, like that's the, I'm most proud of, of everything like I've done over the last year in the tribe. It's the marriages that have been helped just by doing goals together. Yeah. So there's something so magical cool. just getting on the same page yep. saying, yep. Mm -hmm. cause then you're not going to the person saying, hey, you're spending too much or you're, you're you know, yep. you're too, you know, whatever cheap. You're saying, right. hey, what do we want for our life? Yeah. What do we want for our five-year vision? Like where do we, we want to be debt-free in five years, right? Mm -hmm. Like if there's like, no, I love debt. Then you have a, you know, maybe a deeper yeah. problem and you deeper yeah. conversation. But most everyone would say, yeah, I would love to be debt-free of this credit card in five years. Great. Now let's together, let's work on that. What, what do we mm -hmm. want to do this year? What do we want to do this quarter? What do we want to do this week? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're not fighting each other, your allies going to war together. And yep. I think yeah. anybody knows, like when you go to war, I mean, Alex, when you go to war, like those are your best friends. Like you, nothing builds. Uh, you don't go right. with people who don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the person you want to go with. Right. We got one mission. Yep. Yeah. 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 It just builds that. Uh, so yeah, if you want to strengthen your marriage, just set some goals yeah. together. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. All right. So those, we talked a lot about the defense, like, you know, saving more money because you're living on a budget. That's, that's important. What about making more money? Yeah. Uh, how, what, what do you f encourage people to do there? On two sides, some people, obviously the entrepreneurship, we can talk about that, but what about those in W2? Yeah. They're a teacher, they're a lawyer or doctor, whatever. They can't, can't make more. They make yeah. an amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, yeah, we talk about a few different things pretty commonly. And one of them is that leaning into your God-given gifts and abilities is our unfair advantage because you've probably been there. I've been in jobs where I was not gifted for it yep. and I could work as hard as I want and I was never going to be able to beat the person who was gifted for yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, you know it, it's good to question what you are doing. 
You know what I mean? Because I think there's a lot of us who get caught up in the fear of, well, that just seems too hard or too scary of a path to go down and that's too much risk and whatever else. But if that's how what you were designed to do, if that's what you were created to do, and so Einstein has this quote where he says, uh, if you judge a fish by his ability to climb a tree, it will spend his entire life thinking that he's stupid. Yeah. And and I think that is it's resonated with so deeply with me because there's so many people who feel like that mm-hmm. and who who are, are fish trying to climb trees competing with monkeys. Like you're, you're just never, <laughs> yep. you're never, it's just all going to be futility and frustration. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part is how do you get your work, what you're doing lined up with your natural giftings? Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you have such a leg up on everyone else because most people aren't. I have a hard question. What if the thing I'm really good at doesn't pay much? Yeah. And so the good, good thing question. about today is that you? we all know this, there's never been a better time in the history of the world yep. for us to monetize anything we're good at. Yep. Like remember our parents that don't play video games yeah. and now like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. so lucrative <laughs> yeah. for many of these kids. That's a real job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't waste your time on that. You're gonna, you know, all this stuff. And there's just so many examples of that, of people who in this modern era that we're in, and of course, like it's probably not everything, you know, but there's never been a better time to be able to take any gifting that you have and find some way to monetize it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agreed. I mean, even like Alex to a point, I mean, you're not going to make a billion dollars off of photography, but you live in Maui, you make it, you know. I do real well. You do real well. <laughs> for, a, you're, for a camera guy. Yeah, you're, you're doing, and if you wanted to, you could go out and create an online business that teaches people how to become the Alex Felice to the Brandon Turners of the world. And you could probably charge 10 grand for that. Mm-hmm. You could probably do a placement thing. Like there's a lot of things you could do and make millions of dollars off that side of it that we haven't explored together yet, but we will. Yeah, I'm just lazy. Yeah. That, how, do I fi- how do I fix that? <laughs> <laughs> Keep listening to the podcast. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, another thing that you talk about a lot, I feel like is this idea of like micro skills. So getting better at little things within your niche. Yeah. Niche, well, niche, yeah, what do you guys say? I say niche, but. You do? Okay, yeah. me too. I like niche better. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I mean. Because riches are in the niches. It doesn't make sense to say riches are in the niches. Like that just sounds weird. <laughs> okay, but I like good. riches are in the niches. All right, I like that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, even taking things that maybe you're a little bit better at than most people. So Bob gives this example of his dad who was a union worker and you know, Blue he collar, was construction work. Yeah. He yeah. was great at his job. He was good at his job. I don't know if he was the best. Was he the best? I don't know if he was the best, but he certainly wasn't the worst, but he was, you know, good enough. And he was a great communicator. And the way you know, he in talked. In industry with a lot of poor communicators. Yeah. But that one little skill that he developed was able to set him apart so mm-hmm. that he had like the most cush jobs and like by the end of his career, he was driving a van that was given to him by uh, his company, company car. working like an hour and a half a day, getting paid for eight hours a day. Like, yep. and he got preferential treatment because he was a good communicator 100%. and did good work. But yep. like that one skill. And so like, you know, I'll talk about this a lot, like real estate agents, like a lot of them or any other thing. It's like the bare minimum requirement is get your license. But it's everything that you learn on top of that, like right. negotiating skills, yep. communication skills, whatever, how to dress, like... Whatever the thing is, how to become a better listener. Like, there's so many different little skills that you can add to your arsenal to make you so much more valuable real estate agent, and therefore yeah. earn more. You know, yep. you get taken right. to the photography world. Like, you can apply this to almost anything. But those are the, the small things. And again, and these aren't things that you need to spend. You know, so a hostage negotiator. It's like, all right, you need to become a master at that. Spend your ten thousand hours. This is really important. But like for a real estate agent or for you and I, it's like. We can read a couple books yeah, yeah. and become much better <laughs> much communicators, better. Uh-huh. like the 80-20 of it. 
And that could set us apart in so many significant ways, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up communication too. When I was younger, I used to make fun of everyone who got communication degrees in yeah. college. And I'd be like, yeah. that's like the most worthless degree. Today, it's the number one thing. If somebody asked me what degree they should get in college, number one thing wow. I say, commu communications, yeah. number one, because when yeah. you can communicate well, like the world is your oyster. Like yeah. it just, it's so if yeah. there's anything people want, like can, and it, the crazy thing is it does not cost money really to get yeah. good at communication. Yeah. It takes yeah. practice and some intentionality around books, join Toastmasters, whatever. It's the easiest way to massively like improve every aspect of your life is yeah. kind of being a good communicator. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, personal life, professional life, everything gets better. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that you brought Great. that up. All right, let's talk a little bit about debt. And then I wanna go into like how to make money online. But first of all, the idea of debt, we mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. Is there good debt and bad debt or is all debt bad? And specifically, I got a lot of real estate investors listening. What's your view on like rental property debt? Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I'm not um, I mean because I think the elephant in the room is Dave Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you do you think what Dave thinks? That, um, <laughs> so uh, so my philosophy is a bit different. Like we have zero debt at this point, and we prefer that. But we, does the we, grass really feel better under your toes when you have no debt on your house? That's what Dave always says. Yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. Uh, in fact, we paid off all our debt, paid off our mortgage, moved to Franklin, Tennessee. Everything's more expensive. We took on another mortgage. After going from 100% debt-free back into a mortgage, mortgage man, it mm. was really rough. It was like <laughs> this. And so we raced to get that one paid off as fast as possible. So I understand the math. Like I'm with you on that. We don't have any rental properties at this point. We're probably going to get back into real estate in the next couple of years. But, but anyway, all that to say, like I'm not at all afraid of taking uh, strategic debt to earn money yeah. and to use it as leverage. Like I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Like I, I think personally, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I think obviously the how leveraged are you? Yeah. Like leverage is a risk. So how far are you going on that, you know, teeter-totter or whatever? Like that's a question to ask and to use sound wisdom as you're taking it on. But beside that, like I don't have a problem with it at all. And I think it makes, yeah, obviously what you've been able to build, yeah. you couldn't do without leverage. Yeah. And so- But it definitely adds risk to my life. Like I definitely- don't sleep as well as I would if I didn't have the debt. I mean, I have, yeah. I have almost a, hmm. almost a billion dollars in debt. Oh my gosh. Right? So, That's bonkers. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, if you include like the equity, because you know my investors have invested in my deals, I have a billion yeah. dollars in, yeah. in yeah. debt that I either owe a bank or I owe my investors. So yeah. I definitely would sleep better. That said, I can't give away a billion dollars yeah. without that risk. So I, I've chosen to be okay with the... Yeah elevated level of stress for a while. Yeah. That said, there's a lot of ways. I mean, a couple of things. One, there are a lot of loans that are, a lot of my loans are what's called non-recourse, which means that should the worst happen, they take back the property. They can't take my house, my car, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's non, it's non -recourse. That's not normal with most houses, but when yeah. you get into commercial real estate, a lot of non-recourse. So almost all my debt is non-recourse. So yeah. that at least makes me feel a little better. But two, you can reduce risk by education. Yep. In other words, when people ask that they should use debt to buy a rental property, my answer is not necessarily yes, it's show me how you analyze a rental property. Yep. This is why I'm That's such good. a nerd around really calculations, good. right? Because if somebody yep. says to me, I'm gonna buy this rental property, the mortgage is gonna be $2,000 a month and I can rent the house out for 2,200 a month, I'm like, you're gonna lose money every single month yeah. and you don't have any money. So what? Like that's just a terrible idea. Yeah. But if you do an actual good calculation, which by the way, people can get my calculator if you just DM me the word calc, C-A-L-C over on Instagram It'll auto send you my actual spreadsheet rental property calculator. But yeah, if you analyze a deal correctly with all the things that cost to own a rental property and you understand that because you've educated yourself, all of a sudden then the risk drops dramatically. Yep. So now you're charging yep. 3000 for rent on a $2,000 mortgage. Mm -hmm. Now you're probably cash flowing like 300 a month. Yeah. Not losing money, but you're not making what you think you are. Yeah. So yeah, education yep. overcomes a lot of that risk with debt too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember, I guess this is somewhat related, Warren Buffett, What's this quote about diversification? Diversification 
is what you do when you don't understand something or something mm, yeah, like that. Yeah. Like something to that effect where it's like your advantage is your education and your understanding of it. And that's what protects you. Yeah. So, I kind of like that idea of I, I, it's like, yes, put all your eggs in one basket. I don't know who said this, but put all your eggs in one basket and then guard that basket. Yeah. And when I think guarding the basket, it means like, I'm going to be the, I'm going to get everything I can learn to be the best at yeah. this thing. You can say it for you guys as well. Like your income, like comes from your online business, mm -hmm. like and investments, I'm sure. But like, yeah. So how do you become the world class at your business? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's how you guard that basket. So you yeah. don't need to be in 50 different businesses. You have one yeah. primary business, I'm guessing. Well, like, yeah, and it reminds me of something that I heard Hermosi say not too long ago, where the whole this idea of the average millionaire is seven passive income streams yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, always. It's like they didn't get there, they didn't get there by yeah, starting exactly. seven things at once. <laughs> yeah, I hate that quote of like, get all these seven passive directions. Yeah, income stream. I'm like, no, get one. Yeah. 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 And Div then. Diversification is protection against ignorance. It makes little sense if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Warm yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. That's so yep. good. All right. Let's talk about making money on the internet. You guys make a full-time living online. So how does somebody else do what you've done? So yeah, for for 15 years? Yeah. 15, yeah. 2007, um, the end of 2007, I guess, is when we started. So 2008 is when we went full-time full yeah. running a blog at that point. And the, the landscape has changed quite a bit, obviously, yeah. in um, the way all this works. But for me, at that point, like you saw when you visited, somewhere back in that era, like yeah. we earned money from AdSense, mostly Google Ads on our site or some affiliate things. And over the years, we've, you know, we still do some affiliate stuff, but over the years, we've shifted most of our focus towards education. And so, like, we have a lot of financial classes on our site where we teach people how to invest in stocks and stuff or teach them how to set up a budget. Um, mm -hmm. And now we're doing financial education for churches. And so we're, you know, going into churches and helping educate them and all that stuff. But, but the point is, like, that is how we've shifted and how we've adapted over the years. Uh, and so... How to do that? Um, <laughs> I think everything, as you know, starts with an audience. Because like over the last few years with social, we've watched a lot of people blow up overnight, Alex Hermosi being yeah. one. Um, and he's got a whole different business model. But the point is, if you get the audience, like your options are endless. So true. Like you can do anything. So it all starts with finding an audience somewhere. You know, I mean, and, and I would say, even if we're really trying to break this down to a step-by-step-by-step, I think it's getting clear on what is the thing that you're excited about, you're passionate about that lines up with your gifts. Again, coming back to what are the things that you are uniquely wired to do and share about, and then move into the audience development phase and all this stuff. And I don't know how deep you want to go on all this. I will go as deep as you will, can, will go. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think this is super helpful to people because uh, I'm still such a big believer. I mean, I love real estate investing. I really do. But I'm almost a bigger believer right now because real estate's so hard. If you're trying to get cash flow today, real mm -hmm. estate's really hard to get cash flow. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's mm -hmm. doable. Yeah. I think it's easier today if you have, if you're a good communicator or you're a good writer or you're yeah. good at, or you're willing to put in the work to become one, you can make faster cash flow online. Yeah. Like you can make $500 a month on a website. Not that difficult. But buying a $500 a month cash flowing property is going to yeah. take you a lot of money and time yeah. and risk. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Like the creator world that we live in, there's so many opportunities. And I, and I think the key is to look beyond the super obvious thing and look a little bit more in the corners. Mm. So for example, like I know some people who are just getting super, super niche and specific here. Like one of the things that I'm looking for as a creator, I will go to, over to a website called Creative Market where they sell all kinds of like design templates and things like that. 
And I'm using an app called Canva, or me and my team yep. use an app called Canva for a lot of our design work. And so I'll go over there and specifically look for templates to do certain things or an ebook template for lead magnet we're creating or something like that that's available for Canva and that looks good and is designed well. But so few designers are designing for Canva and they're designing for you know Adobe Illustrator or InDesign or whatever the thing is. And there's this huge opportunity just sitting right there for creators to do this. Or in the music world, like there's tons of, like we use Epidemic Sound for a lot of our videos and things like that. And it's like, there's a huge opportunity to create music for these places, begin earning some passive income. And it's again, not gonna be something, you just throw some songs up the next day, you're making tons of money. It takes work, but yep. that's something you're naturally gifted towards or whatever, it's a great opportunity. Outside of that, in terms of like building an Instagram account or following or YouTube or whatever these things are, it's like, we know this is work. Yep. Like it's challenging getting it off the ground. But if you can get super niche, like I'm thinking about an Instagram account that I just started following where all they do is find things on Amazon that are really, really cool that they like. They post them to their Instagram account, Instagram account mm -hmm. then they have an affiliate link over to do it. And they're cool items. And so they're going viral. And it's just, there's just so many non-traditional ways to think about it. It doesn't have to be what you and I are doing, yep. creating clips, which I think for a lot of people is really challenging. How do we get good production? How do we say something really compelling or whatever? It's like, it can be stupid, simple stuff, like yep. going to Amazon and finding something that's a bestseller that you know people are gonna want and yep. creating a reel about it, you know? Yeah, amazing. All right, so maybe we'll, let's do a little segment here called fill in the blank, where I'm gonna say a line and I want you to just repeat after me and then just say whatever comes up. <laughs> if I was starting over, trying to make money on the internet from scratch, I would, what? Either one of you can take it. Mary Bob. <laughs> Good answer, moving on. What would Bob do? If I was starting over today, trying to make money on the internet, I think I would probably do some design work. I really like design and probably specifically focus on creating templates and things that people can buy. So rather than doing one-off design work where I'm just designing one time for someone, how do I build a passive income stream by designing this great thing and ideally selling it to one person? So Brandon says, hey, we designed this thing for me. I will, and I'm gonna give you a discount too because if you're cool with me using it as a template yeah. afterwards, yeah, of course, it'll save you $500 or whatever. And then now I go sell that as a template yeah. over on Etsy or Creative Market or wherever. Yeah. And now I can continue to earn money after you're long gone off yeah. of the thing I designed for you. Yeah, so I got so paid cool. up front from you and now I'm gonna go get passive income from it on there. If you designed a YouTube thumbnail podcast template that we loved, I would pay you yeah. and other people would use it. Yeah, yeah. There's That's hot true. business for that. Yeah, there's so much around the video stuff to yeah. make your life easier. Like, it's like, think about that, you know, again, come back to the Levi Strauss thing. Yeah. It's like, don't focus on digging for the gold. Like, look at the miners. What do they need? And go ask them what they yeah. need. Solve their problem because there's, whatever, 50,000 miners out there, you know? Yeah. That's so good. So good. Uh, how about this one? If I lost all my wealth today, all my income, everything, tomorrow I would what? Ooh. Do you want to go first? No, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting back there. Let me take these hard ones. All right. If I lost all my wealth today, tomorrow I would... It's a tough question. I know. I need a minute on this one. Yeah, think about it. Cry. 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 <laughs> you, know, so you got over the crying phase and you said, okay, now it's time to build. Yeah, I think the question would be what... How do we want to serve? Like, what what's the next thing we want to do? Where do we want to go with this? And trying to find what we can learn from this and how that can serve others. Mm, that's a great answer. Yeah. There's a great quote from, I think, Rory Vaden says, you are uniquely qualified to serve the person you once were. 
And it's like, so if you're like, how do I help people online or serve people? Well, who were you before mm-hmm. yeah. that you're now? So no matter what that is in your life, and this applies to building an online business, like, hey, I was not good at photography and now I'm good at photography so I can help people who are not good at photography, mm-hmm. but want to be good at photography, become yeah. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And people then get start getting that... Uh, imposter syndrome because they're like, well, you know, I'm not a multi-million dollar photographer. Well, you don't have to be. Yeah. You're, not, you're not teaching people how to be a multi-million yeah. photographer. You're teaching them to be you. Yeah. And everybody has a thing mm-hmm. yeah. that they're uniquely qualified because they've done something in their life. Could be like, yeah. hey, I raised three kids and it was really hard, but my kids are all really good, solid, yeah. like Bible-believing kids. Oh, how'd you do? Like, I would pay money to somebody who could teach me to make sure my kids grow up to not be dirtbags. Yeah. So like, <laughs> like, that's a real like totally. concern, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, ahead. thinking about losing all of your money, losing yeah. everything, like there's something there. There's a lot to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's a good exercise I'd like to go through in my mind of what would that feel like? <laughs> no, really, because yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot that would come out of your personality, a lot that would come out of your heart that you didn't know was there, a lot that would come out of, you know, who am I? Like your identity is stripped away. Like there's so much there that I feel like any of those things that you can just draw out of yourself and even just like walking through that exercise in your mind of like, why do I think the way I think? Why do I make the decisions I make? And pulling that out, like even without having to go through that is really interesting to me because there are, there's people hurting all over the place. And if we can walk through a tough situation Mm -hmm. and actually lean into it and get something out of it, then we are all of a sudden available to serve on a level that we weren't available to serve on before. Mm. And that's where I would go with it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'm thinking about now is that we didn't experience this fully, but in certain phases of our business, because we were so dependent on Google AdSense and Google for traffic, like we had a drop of 90% of our income. Our income dropped by 90%, maybe from one year to the next, which was a major shift like, mm-hmm. you know, that really, really affected us in a drastic way. And what I regret in that season, and again, like what you're talking about with identity, it's really easy. I think as you're young and eager and immature to have so much in your identity tied up in how much money you're making. Yeah. And and so for me, like I had to work through that. And it's like, oh, well, I was a celebrity to Brandon when he saw me and then no longer, you, still you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like that idea of, you know, again, like at that conference that you're talking yeah. about, like, oh, okay, so somebody thinks I'm a celebrity or, or cool here. And what I know, or a year or two later, or whatever, I don't know what the timeline was, I have gone so far backwards in terms of revenue. It's like, who am I still the same person or not? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what I love so much about being a follower of Jesus is my identity isn't in myself. It's not yeah. in my mm-hmm. achievements. It's in Christ. Like yep. that's mm-hmm. who it is. And so that gives me a solid foundation to cling to whether things go up or down or everything mm-hmm. else. And you know as well as I do, like that probably is one of the most important things in terms of building back to, to be able to hit the ground, maintain the confidence. Yeah to be able to build back because we've all seen people who have been hit or struck with really challenging circumstances and it crushed them. And then we've seen people who are so resilient who have been hit with something really challenging, but are able to bounce back. And for me, that was one of the keys that I had to learn the hard way and work through, but it was a really good lesson that I think will serve me well going mm-hmm. forward. You know, there's a quote that I used to say a lot and I no longer agree with. It says, you are what you repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. And 
I used to say, yeah, I tell people that you are what Aristotle, you repeatedly do. Yeah, it? Aristotle, I think, said it, right? And, and I've shifted that. Today in the tribe, we say you get the results of what you repeatedly do. And I altered it because of that. Because at the end of the day, you are not what you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You that's are good. what those people who love you the most say you are. Uh, and that's what I think identity good. is, which is where as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I say, who loves me more than anybody else? God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who does God say I am? Yeah. Or when it comes to like, am I a good husband? I don't define whether I'm a good husband or not. My wife defines whether mm -hmm. I'm a good husband yeah. or not. If I'm a, am I a good father, my kids define that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Our identity should not be based on what we're doing necessarily or yeah. what we want to have or whether we're keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. mm -hmm. but it's based on who loves us the most, what they say about us. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So something I've been thinking about. All right. Another fill in the blank here. After blank years of marriage, one thing that has benefited us a ton, or you can alter that however you want, is what? You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. So after 18 years of marriage, mm -hmm. one thing that's helped us a lot is that we have created separate spending money accounts, mm -hmm. okay? And so we were talking previously a little bit about the joint account thing, kind of hinting at that a little bit. Well, and it is a joint account still. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. just that we separate so, the. Well, we yeah. have. It's done, like we have our own envelopes. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was this was like the thing that reduced our money marriage fights by probably ninety percent. Mm -hmm. And again, it's one of those things that people are. Yeah, it's too simple. That wouldn't do. Trust me. It. it <laughs> so for us, we we had all of our money in one big bucket, one big checking account, like everybody else. And then she or I would go to Lowe's because I need to buy my third saw or something like that. <laughs> or she'd go to Nordstrom because she needs a whatever sixteenth high heel, like. And so. <laughs> We're each going to buy our things and then we got to buy groceries. And then I'm angry at her because she went and bought yep. that. She's angry, blah, 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 blah. But once we created separate accounts and again, joint accounts, so we're not hiding anything from each other, mm -hmm. but we have an account earmarked with her name on it and my name on it. And she can spend the money indiscriminately however she wants. I don't care yeah. because it's in her account. And it's right. the same for me. And so I can go spend without judgment, without fear of her being upset about it because we predefined it. And it just made everything so much easier and yeah. reduced so many money fights for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. That's really good. After 18 years of marriage, one thing that I think has changed our lives the most is having no topic that is off limits. Mm. So there's nothing that he goes to other friends to talk to about more than he talks to me mm. and vice versa. So any of the hard conversations that I am wrestling with, any of the... I mean, yeah, just thoughts about the universe, you know, yeah, any yeah, yeah. anything that there is, or even things that we disagree with, disagree with each other about, we go to each other and have those conversations and work through them. And to me, that's been one of the biggest things. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, we got to start wrapping this up soon because we're going to lunch together and yeah. yes. it's going to be fun. Where are we going? Uh, have you guys been to Monkey Pod yet? No, no. we heard okay. that that was a good it's place. It's on our list. That's like my Let's favorite. Let's do it. Let's do that okay. for lunch. Okay. It's the best restaurant in the whole planet. <laughs> what? It's the Out. best restaurant that's ever existed. He's being sarcastic. I do believe it is one of the best restaurants. It's just, I can't it's wait. Great. It's, it's great got five food. Michelin stars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that. It's a different style. I think it's the best Applebee's you've it's, ever yeah. been to. Yeah, that's great. It's a sports bar. That's my joke. Yeah, that's what you always say. All right. So we're going to move into a segment called the three, two, one pivot. So the idea is that word pivot I used earlier. Uh, you know, I actually wrote down a quote, a line. I might put on a T-shirt. Where, where did I put that? I said, uh, "Oh shoot, I lost it now." But um, everyone's better life begins with a pivot. Yeah. I said that idea because something has to change, mm -hmm. right? So that's going to go on a T-shirt. Somebody help me make a T-shirt on this. But uh, everyone, like your better life begins with a pivot. So something in your life hit you and made your life change. And we're going to start three books that change your life. You can do three each if you want or three together. 
Three books, two people, and one quote. Three, two, okay. one. So let's start with okay. the books that changed the direction of your life a little bit. You start. Okay. Uh, okay, the first book I read. And you can't say the Bible because that's the, that's Dang like it. the trump card. I know that's a trump card. Everyone says <laughs> well, it's it. It's definitely the Bible. <laughs> okay, but I'll, I'll try to do outside. All right. All right, I read one book called Smith Wigglesworth: The Secret to His Power, and he was this. What do you call him? Evangelist, evangelist? preacher. And he just saw weird miracles happen. And reading about it was fascinating. So if you're a Christian, I highly recommend reading this. Second one would be The Rest of God by this Mark is Buchanan. This on list for both of us. Okay. Okay. So The yeah. Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. And it is talking about really resting and Sabbath. And I think that this is something that most people in general do not understand the importance of rest. So Christian or non-Christian, I don't think it matters. I think understanding rest and having a rhythm of stopping in the middle of the chaos and in the middle of a million things that need to be done, stopping and taking time to refresh yourself is huge. Yeah. So I'm actually rereading that now. It's called The, so, the, the rest, rest of God. Okay, I'm He's a one. fantastic writer and yeah. it, yeah, one of my favorite books deeply impacted me. Third book, I just read it. And I think this is maybe the best book I've ever read is called The Knowledge of the Holy. And it's mm. by A.W. A. W. Tozer. And it's pretty meaty, but it is, again, all these are all Christian books. I'm sorry, I'm not Christian. This is what I read about. Uh, <laughs> it. So it is basically explaining different facets of God. And it takes it farther than I've ever taken it in my mind. And so thinking about everything in the world, you know, I, I believe that God created the world. And so thinking about everything in the world was created by God. Therefore, nothing that we can think of, the most creative person you've ever met, nothing that they think of is more, or it's all based off of what God has already created mm. and what we can see of his creation. Yeah. And just things like that, that just kind of blew my mind thinking about God in a completely different way. I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Wow. All right. Well, I'll add a not Christian one just okay. to balance things out a little bit. So <laughs> this is a recent read I read probably a year or two ago. So when I turned 40, I'm 42 right now. When I turned 40, I didn't know what was going to happen. Everyone was like, well, everything's different when you're 40, whatever. And I actually did notice something change. And one thing for me in the timing of this book, as every book, the timing drastically yeah, affects how it so impacts you. Anyway, the book's called Die With Zero. Oh yeah, and, I read that one. Uh, it. it really hit me at the right time, mm -hmm. like as right as I was turning forty. And I've done a really, we've done a really good job of saving money for the future and for all this stuff. But something about the way that he's talking about this idea of what, what I got out of it that I didn't want, or that it just hit me hard was there are certain windows, you know, uh, of your kid's life, of your life, where there are the only time to do it is during that window. Yeah. And if you miss that window, you know, for, he was talking about backpacking in Europe. You're not going to do that in your 60s. Yep. You're not going to go stay in hostels, <laughs> yep. you know. And so it's one of those things that that's what you do in your 20s because mm -hmm. that's what you want to do. And there's so many examples of that. And so how do you design a life where you're not saving it all up until the end and you get to be 75 years old and you can't do anything anymore, but you have all this money? And it's like, who cares, you know? And again, then we have a purpose behind why we're increasing and saving and all that stuff. But that book just hit me the right way at the right time. And I think it's a great book to check out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. Number two, sure. two, what's yeah. the next thing? Uh, so the second one was two pivot people. Two pivot people. So people that have just impacted your life and set you on a new direction. All right. I'm going to say, I'm going to bend on this a little bit and say it was my high school. Mm. So not necessarily a single person, but my high school as a whole. I could maybe narrow it down to a teacher too, but I went to a private high school that was really challenging to get in. My grade school teachers told me not to apply 
because they didn't think I was smart enough to get in and which made me all the more like, you know, I'm going I'm after going it. it. So anyway, I barely got into this high school by the whatever. I uh, just barely made my way in because academically I, it was really challenging. I was just on the bare bottom. And anyway, I had to fight through staying in this high school, not getting kicked out. All through grade school, I had been an A student, but I get to grade or high school and I'm fighting to get a C in English. Mm -hmm. And then in some of these classes, like I'm working really, really hard doing four hours of homework a night, like type of thing. And, and it just stretched me in so many ways that was really, really good for me developmentally, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like boot camp or whatever. It just pushed me further than I thought I could go. And to the point that I went to college, I went to a state college. I'm like, this is easy. <laughs> like I literally all my college years, I'm like, this is nothing compared to high school, which was a nice change of pace, you know? But anyway, it just stretched me in a way, and I feel like I'm still benefiting from how I was stretched in those years. That's awesome. What about my you, Linda? My two people would be my aunt and uncle, Uncle Ray and Aunt Marianne. They lived in Vegas, actually, some of the time they lived in Vegas. And I remember as a older teenager, we went to go visit them. I'd never been there. And it was one of the first vacations that we took. So we did not take a lot of vacations growing up, which was something that I always wanted to do, but we didn't. So we went and we visited them because we had a free place to stay. And watching the way they lived life was so different from the way my family lived life. And it opened my eyes to creating a different life for myself. So not that the way my family did it was bad. It was just that I kind of felt always like a black sheep in my family. Like I didn't always feel like I fit in. Like there were common denominators among the rest of them that I just didn't feel like I had. And so it was really interesting going there and seeing how they did things. My uncle was a businessman that just excelled in the ranks. And one of the stories that I heard about him that I feel like is one of those moments for me of where it was like, he just thinks different, was that he was, you know, probably a 17 year old kid or something, early 20s, somewhere in there. And he went to a restaurant after working all day or whatever and ordered this big meal. And he's sitting there eating it and he realizes he doesn't have his wallet. Now back then, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't pay with Venmo. Like yeah. this was like, you have cash or you don't have cash. So as he's realizing he doesn't have money, what would anybody do? Go call a friend, go try and figure out how to pay this money. My uncle orders more food. <laughs> And I just, I was like, who would order more food? And in his mind, he knew this will work out. And sure enough, one of his friends walks in the door while he's just sitting there and he's like, <laughs> you want some food? By the way, can I borrow money to pay for it? I'll pay you back. I'm good for it. And I mean, it just, just that idea of like, things will work out yeah. was fascinating it's like to unwavering me. belief in, yeah. the, in the outcome. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and it's one of those things where it's like, like theologically, I don't know how all those pieces connect, but yeah. I, there's something about that mindset and that outlook that like we talk about a lot where it's like, I want to emulate that, that in the midst of adversity, like we just still have a smile on our face and we're still yeah. enjoying ourselves rather than freaking out about it. You know? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's how you are. Is it? Yeah. It's infuriating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. He's the most abundant minded person I've ever met. I oh, love well, it. And I'm prone to freaking out and he doesn't freak out. And yeah. then it yeah. makes me freak out more. I, I don't freak out that much. I freak out a little bit. A little but, bit, but yeah. Know. He's like, it'll work out. Especially with the tribe, just I'm always just reminded, like, like this is like this is not my battle. Like, I just go back to all the time. I'm like, this ain't my battle. Like, I'm showing up, but but it does yeah. work out, doesn't yeah. it? It, it works, works out, out so much. Yeah. It's he's peaceful. It's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, one. I say that with love. Uh, one quote uh, that's just changed your life or rocked your world. Do you want to go first? Never suppress a generous thought. Ooh, ooh, that's good. You like that? That's a T-shirt right there. There it is. 
Yeah, like honestly, the John Wesley quote we were talking about before, yeah. like, because that has framed our approach to money more than anything else. Just this idea where we make all that we can, we save all that we can so that we can give all that we can. Yeah. yeah. One of the addition to that that we add is that we enjoy it all. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's so many people who don't enjoy the work that yep. you hate the idea of actually not spending and like cutting back on anything and right. hate the idea of giving. And I believe that we can enjoy all aspects of that in mm-hmm. a balanced and healthy way that is bountiful and yep. beautiful and affects the whole world positively. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that has like defined our life and our view on money probably more than anything else. That's good. Yeah, people ask me sometimes, I'm sure they ask you too, like, hey, when's enough enough? Like you gotta, yeah. like, why not just ease yeah. back? Why, like, like they, it's almost like this judgmental question because they're comparing themselves yeah. to what we're doing, right? Yeah. My answer is now always just when there's no more hurting people. Yeah. Like yeah. the answer, it's enough when enough, like yeah. enough is enough when there's no more, somebody else, like yeah. everyone's got a full belly. Everyone's got a good life. Yeah. That's when it's not enough. It's, yeah. it's not for us. Like, yeah. Yeah. And we'll get enjoyment out of it. You guys get to come to Hawaii. Like, yeah. uh, right. I, you know, I, whatever, I get to live here. Like, there's enjoyment and you can enjoy <laughs> yeah. the process, uh-huh. yeah. but it's not for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. I love that. All right. Past, present, future. We'll go rapid fire through this. Advice to your younger self. What would you give yourself? Quit worrying about what other people say. Mm, I need to hear that. Yeah. I, <laughs> Me too. I still need to hear yeah, it. I still need to hear it. <laughs> I would say, I would tell my younger self, there is no limit to how good things can get when you follow God. Mm. It's in, and really on specific things, because there have been just some things we felt him lead us to. I mean, some more like you starting better life and where it's like, in my mind, as I'm like weighing, should I do that? That feels bold. I think God wants me to do it, but I don't know if I want to. Like, as I'm like trying to figure that out, I can never imagine the depth of the beauty of it on the other side. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I really like Jordan Peterson's quote where he said, somebody asked him, do you believe in God? He said, I don't know, but I'm going to act like I do or act like there is. Like, is there a God yeah. I'm going to act like yeah. there is? And I love this idea. Like, like if you want any part of your life to improve, like I look at like Jesus, I'm like, if I can just become more like that, that my marriage is going to improve, my finances are going to improve. Like every part of my life improves, yeah. mm-hmm. even if it weren't true. That's still a true statement. As yeah. long as I'm more like Jesus, then I think I'm going to be yeah. have a better life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now I do believe he exists. I like Peterson's kind of approach of yeah. like, I don't know, but I'm going to act like he does. Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting one. All right. The better life question, that is, what is something you've done in the last year that's improved your life, that's given you a better life? Yeah. Rest. Mm, more rest. That's been, that's been a big one for me. I feel like that's something that I'm learning a lot right now, especially because we have little kids. Yeah. What does that look like? It and is hard. It is really hard, but th- I think that is the the most important thing about rest is that it has to, and it most, almost always needs to come when you feel like you can take it the least. Mm. And if we can force ourselves to do that, the rest of our life falls into place. My uncle, that that story is another great thing where it was like instead of freaking out, he went, I d- "I'm still hungry. I'm going to order more food." Yeah. Can we do that in the midst of something not looking perfect and that not? feeling right and feeling like there's always more and more and more to do. Can we still just take a minute? And yeah. I'm learning to do it right now. And I think that's it's going to be life-changing. It is life-changing. Yeah. I would say for me, the last year, one of the things I've grown in that I think has led to a better life, taking a, uh, I don't know, a snapshot of where I am on my parenting journey with the kids, like learning to, I, I kind of similar to rest, like enjoy the moment, yeah. like taking those moments to lay in, you know, read the book, the kids book at night and just spend an extra few minutes 
hugging them, just knowing how fast it's all going, and just actually soaking that up and enjoying it to the, you know, it's going to go fast no matter what. Yeah. And we're all going to look back and be like, man, where did it go? But I want to as much as possible enjoy and soak up as much of that as mm-hmm. I can. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. There's a line I saw on a, on a like Instagram video, a friend of mine posted the other day, and I've seen it a few times, this idea of it was our turn at one point in life to travel and to you know stay up late yeah. and like you know sleep you know sleep in like that there was a period of our life where it was just me and heather mm-hmm. and yeah. that was a great period and then it's not our turn right now yeah. like it's it's a different turn in life yeah. mm-hmm. it's my turn now to wake up early because i got to get a workout in before the kids wake up like yeah. that's just my turn in life right now and it'll come back the other way mm-hmm. uh, but right now it's just trying to remember like it, yeah that part of my life is not this part of my life yeah. and, and i can be okay with that and rest in that and say, yeah. this is this is a beautiful part of life, even yeah. though it's hard. That's good. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trying to balance the rest with the kids and yeah. what that looks like. So I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. All right, when you pass away someday, what do you want people to say about you? In other words, your legacy, like, yeah, Bob and Linda, they were... Yeah, for me, I think, I don't know if anything would make me more excited than if, than if there were a lot of people who said that I helped inspire them to radically follow God mm. and specifically in the area of their finances, yeah. you know? Like I'd love, and we've seen a good bit of this already. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of people who have come to it says, yeah, we've increased our giving based on, you know, things you've said. And like, that is, I don't think anything gets me more excited. Yeah. You know? I want people around me to feel loved and seen and celebrated. And yeah, I, I want them to feel like when I talk to them, they're the only person in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Just loved, I think, is is how I want people to feel when they're around me. So that's my legacy. I love it. Perfect. All right. Last questions. This is a section called the wrap-up. What do you first one, what are you excited about? Like what's coming up in your business or in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you excited about? The the big thing for us is like we were talking about with courses, we've been creating courses for like the last nine years for individuals. And we're now shifting into moving into churches. And this is like a really fun and exciting turning point for us because it's a completely different business model that we are figuring out as we go. But again, it feels like directionally it's where the Lord's calling us. And so we're moving that way. And so that's the big thing that we're excited about and where all of our business focus is on right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited about lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so Monkey Pod's got the great burger, but the thing that they're most well known for probably is their pie. They have this strawberry cream cheese kind of a cakey wow. pie. It's so anyway, right. that I'm just gonna okay. throw it out there. It's very good. People Celebrating like their mai tais. People like their, uh, you know, fish tacos. But the pie. The pie. Okay. Yeah. He's actually right about See, that. See, I think right, actually right. the best. All right. It's, it's good stuff. All right. Where can people connect with you, Chat? Like yeah. a website. Yeah. Book. Where do they get that? Yeah. Instagram. So the book's everywhere. Simple Money Rich Life. You can find it at Amazon and all the other places. But our website is seedtime.com and at seedtime on Instagram. We're over there. And we have a podcast, Seed Time Money Podcast Mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Perfect. You guys are amazing. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Honor. I'm glad to be here. See you, brother. And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brendan Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. 
Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife, abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.